Hi friends, this is the Million Dollar Beauty Biz Podcast, the place to find motivation and inspiration to create and grow a successful beauty business. This podcast is for the multi-passionate. We're going to be discussing topics such as growing your bridal beauty business, YouTube, content creation, mom life, faith, and everything else it takes to be successful in our everyday lives. I believe that small things done daily lead to big, rewarding results. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello, good morning, everyone. Super excited about today's training. I have a jam-packed full training for you today. So real quick, I'm just going to go through everything that I'm going to be going through and teaching during this live class. So today's class is going to be all about, it's going to be a lot about bridal contracts. And if you think that's boring, stick with me because your contract is going to be the glue of your business. It's going to be what keeps, sustains your business. It's going to be what keeps you from burning out. Um, But real quick, my name is Megan. If you don't know me, I'm a full-time bridal hairstylist. I went full-time in my bridal business over three years ago after I had my little girl and absolutely love it. I have built a bridal business that I absolutely love, one that I don't get burnt out on, but I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. I've made a ton of mistakes in the beginning. And so I am today hopefully going to help save you all a lot of those mistakes if you haven't already come into some of these. And then if you have any questions, then I am happy to answer some questions at the end. Hi, Anika. Anika, I'm not sure exactly how you say it, but thank you so much for joining from Australia. Super excited. So today I'm going to be teaching you, we're going to go over bridal contracts. And like I said, To me, your bridal contract is one of your biggest assets in your bridal business. And then I'm going to be talking about giving you some examples of things that have actually happened to me in the beginning in my bridal business, mistakes that I've made, um, just some different situations that I've come into. Hi, Dorothy. Thanks for joining us. If you guys are on here right now, just drop your um, where you're listening from in the chat. I'd love to see where y'all are listening from. Okay, and then we're gonna, I'm going to be sharing my process of booking with you. So from the time a bride inquires with me all the way through until the wedding day, I'm going to be sharing how I take payments, when I take payments. I'm also going to be sharing my bridal contract with you. I'm going to go through the whole contract and break it down and share with you what I have in each section, how it's all laid out, so that way you can get an example of how a bridal contract or how my bridal contract is laid out. And then I'm going to share with you, what if you have an issue? What if a bride messages you and says, oh, my bridesmaids don't want to get services anymore, or bride messages you and just decides, oh, we're just going to do our own hair and makeup. We need to cancel our services. If you have been in the wedding industry for any length of time, it is bound to happen at some point to you where a bride just wants to cancel her wedding. And if this is something that you want to do full time, if you want to be making more money in your bridal business, you have to do things and set things in place to guarantee that you get paid. Because if you have brides canceling their weddings or wedding day services on you last minute, that's money just gone like that. 
So that's why it is super, super important to have these policies in place and to have a contract that protects you and your business so that you're guaranteed to get paid. Um, so let's dive right in. So your bridal contract is one of your biggest assets in your bridal business because in your bridal contract, you should have all your policies, all your clauses stated so that it protects you. So if things come up like, oh, I need to cancel my wedding, you have something in your contract that states a specific amount of time that they have to cancel in order to get a 50% deposit or a full refund or whatever your policy is. And we're going to go through mine. I'm going to share you what, with you what mine is. And for those of you that are like, why should I listen to you? Um, this is my way of doing things. There are many different ways to structure your business. I'm not saying this is the right way. I'm not saying this is the only way. This is what works for me. This is the systems that I've created in my business that have created a business for me that I love, that I won't get burnt out on. One that allows me to work with brides that I love working with and brides that are excited to work with me because how many of us have worked with a bride that is just a pain in the butt bride. They do not appreciate and value your services and your work and your business. And oh my gosh, if you guys have dealt with that like I have, it is one of the most just heavy feelings ever. You just want to get done with that wedding. And sometimes those weddings, you just feel like you're done being a bridal stylist, period. I've had those weddings where I'm just like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but it's just because I had the wrong bride. So I'm going to share with you today with the contracts, how you can essentially avoid working with the wrong brides and start working with the right brides and the brides you're excited to work with. Okay. So I'm going to give you some examples of some things that have happened to me in the very beginning. And if you can relate to any of these, let me know in the comments. If you've been doing weddings for any amount of time, if you've been in for a while, or if you've just started, let me know. So the first one, when I was in the very beginning of my bridal hairstylist career, going full time in it, I had one or two brides completely canceled their weddings on me. And I was just like, uh, okay, what do I do? And it was about three months before the wedding. So a lot of you know, most brides book a year to six months in advance for their wedding. So three months isn't a huge window to get that filled, refilled and get another wedding booked. And at the time, I did not have anything in my contract about a bride canceling. It didn't really occur to me. I didn't think about it because, I mean, I was just starting in the bridal industry and I just thought if people booked their wedding with me and put a little money down for their down de their deposit or their retainer, they I'd never thought about them canceling until it happened to me. And so everything I'm going to share with you today that is in my contract these are all things I've learned along the way from mistakes that I have made, from things that have happened to me, from brides and dealing with so many different wedding parties. And each time something would happen to me, I would automatically be like, I'm going home. I am putting this in my contract and this will never happen to me again. And sometimes that's just how business works and that's how you get better and you improve. If something goes wrong, 
take action immediately to fix it, to make it better so that that one thing doesn't keep recurring over and over in your business because it's those small little things in your business that keep happening over and over to you again. And if you don't fix them, those are the things that burn you out. And those are the things that will make you want to quit your business so fast. So that's why it's important to take action and to fix those things right away. So I went home, fixed that in my contract, and I'm like, okay, from now on, I need at least a six months notice. The retainer fee is not going to be refundable. And so that's what I added into my contract. And I am so sorry my dog is barking right now. Someone literally just drove down the road. So if you guys hear her barking, I am sorry about that. Hopefully she'll stop in a minute, but who knows? Okay, so that was one incident that happened to me in the beginning. And then I've also had brides cancel wedding day services. I'm like, oh, actually, like three of my bridesmaids no longer want to get hair services done. They just want to do their own now. And in the beginning, I didn't have anything in my contract that stated anything about canceling services. So therefore, I had no room to do anything about it. I had no way. I was kind of left speechless, like, uh, 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 okay. So I'm driving over an hour away to this wedding. And now I'm just doing the bride and like two bridesmaids when originally I was going to be doing like five bridesmaids and the bride. And just like that, my income was taken away from me and cut in half essentially. But I didn't have any way to do anything about it because I didn't have the right policy in my contract. So that was a huge, huge learning moment for me. And I've also showed up to weddings where I had to pay toll fees going through like toll bridges. And then I had to pay like parking fees. And some of them, depending on where you are, can be kind of expensive. And so I had to eat the cost of those. And that happened to me one time. And then I said, okay, nope, can't happen. This can't happen again. Because if this is multiple weddings, this is X amount of dollars per year that I spent on tolls and fees. And it, you know, I shouldn't have to pay for that. Um, I've also, like I told you earlier, I've worked with pain in the butt brides. So I used to book trials for brides. I, I wasn't advertising it. It was just, if they asked me, I would do a trial for a bride before booking their actual wedding day. So they're like, Hey, can I book a trial with you before scheduling? So I did like a handful of those back in the beginning when I first started. And let me tell you, Every single one of those brides that needed a trial before booking with me were a pain in the butt bride, every single one of them. And so I no longer book trials. And actually, if you guys follow me on Instagram over at Megan.Lorson, I posted a reel the other day. Uh, I think it was a reel. Yeah, a reel the other day stating how I no longer book trials for brides with before they have a signed contract with me and their wedding date is booked. And this is why, because when you book a trial for a bride before booking, say you book their trial two weeks out from the time you're talking, maybe it's a month out, maybe it's a couple months out, depending if they're from out of town or their schedule or whatever. During that time that you're waiting to do that trial on that bride, you could have so many other wedding inquiries coming in in your inbox and you have to turn them away or sit or kind of leave them in limbo be like um i have a potential bride but i'll get back to you because she might or might not book 
And meanwhile, you may be getting inquiries in your inbox from these brides that are sold out. They want you to do their wedding hair and they're excited to work with you. And you're stuck with, oh, I got to do this bride. So you're already getting a little bit of resentment with from her because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm missing out. Now I've got to commit to her because we've already scheduled her trial. So that's why I no longer book trials for brides before they have a signed contract with me. Every single bride that books with me now must love my work. And this is the thing. Any bride that is the right fit for you is not going to want or need a trial to see if you're a good fit for them. Brides should look at your portfolio and know automatically if they love your work or not, if they want to work with you or not. And this is where your marketing really comes into play and how important your marketing is. So what type of pictures are you posting? What type of hairstyles are you posting? Those are the type of brides that you're going to attract and it should work both ways. So I just wanted to share some of those, um, what do you want to call them? Some of those just things that have happened to me in my bridal business in the very beginning and why I've changed them. So where's that website, please, on YouTube link? Sorry, Dorothy, I'm not sure if I know what you're asking. What is the website, please, or YouTube link for... Let me know what website you're talking about. Okay, and I'll come back to that. So let's see, where are we now? I've literally made a list of everything because I want to make sure I really dive deep with you guys and share with you. Okay, so now I want to talk about my process for booking. So when a bride inquires with me, I get the email and I have a contact form that I've created in HoneyBook. So when a bride reaches out to me and inquires, basically I get their contact form that they filled out. So it has their name, their email address. It has, um, what else? The, their wedding or event date that they're inquiring about, how many people are needing services that day, all the important details. And so then I'm able to see on my end, okay, do I have this date available? Where is the venue located? How far am I traveling? Is this a good fit for me? And am I available for this date? And then once I look at that, I'll reply if I'm available. And the next email they get from me, if I am available for that date, is they get my bridal booking guide, which has my prices already listed in there my packages it has a little bit about me what it's like to work with me the process of booking for them so they, they have everything they need to know all the pricing travel pricing is sent in that initial email so they get a wide scope view handed to them and they know everything they need to know in order to book it's all right there and up front and so from there they decide if that my prices are within their budget or not, if we line up. And if so, then they'll reply and say, yes, I would love to book with you. And at that point, that is when I send them over a contract and an invoice. And they are to fill out the whole contract, signed, return it to me. And then they also get the retainer attached to the contract in that same email and they have to pay that retainer fee and get it back to me. Once I have both of those back, then they are booked with me. And I make that very clear in the first email, let them know that I'm gonna be sent, if you 
decide to book, I'm going to be sending you the contract and the retainer. And then once I have those back, that's what secures your booking. And so I'm just very open and communicative with them through the whole process to let them know this is how everything works. This is what's going to happen next. This is what I need from you. So they just have a clear understanding of the whole booking process. And that doesn't look like I'm just making things up as I go like, oh, well, I need this payment or I need this. They know right up front in that first initial email, this is how much things are. This is how much you're going to have to pay down as the retainer fee to reserve your wedding date, to reserve the services. Now, I want to pause real quick right here and break down a couple different ways of how you can price. So these are both ways that I have priced. Um, they both work good. It really just depends on you and your business. And I'm telling you, the more you get into your bridal business, the longer you do things, you just figure out what works best for you and your business. So when I was starting out, then actually up until last year, I just switched my pricing for 2023 and 2024. And now I'm doing package pricing. So I'll talk about that too. But I was doing a la carte. So that meant in my bridal booking last year, they got my prices and it was the bride's hair is this much bridesmaids hair and family members are this much. And then any add-on services that I offer like hair extensions, if anyone's going to be wearing hair extensions, it's this much for the add-on. And then I would have a bridal trial is also this much. And then um, basically their retainer fee for me was the travel fee. So it was usually around $100, $150 retainer fee. And that was to secure their booking. They would then reach out to me two to three months before their actual wedding date, because that is when I tell most of my brides to get their trial two to three months in advance, because if they're getting it any sooner and like, if you're doing a trial six months to a year earlier, and this is, I'm going to tell you this from experience because this is what was happening. I had brides that wanted to schedule their trial with me like right away because they're excited, but a year later, they would change their minds about the style they want because a lot changes. If you, My style changes all the time. I get on Pinterest, I'm like, oh, well, I like this style now. And I'm sure a lot of you are the same way. Um, our style changes. So from six months to their wedding, it's going to change. And that's exactly what would be happening. Or I would kind of start to forget some of the details. Now, I always document. I always take pictures, videos. I have that. But it's just, it makes more sense. It's more so for the bride because by two to three months before their wedding, they are sold on the hairstyle they want. They know the makeup look they want. They just, they know. So I recommend two, three months. So back to my a la carte pricing. So when they would reach out to me two to three months before their wedding date to say, hey, can I, can we get a trial scheduled for the wedding? They, I would then send them a message and say, hey, yeah, we can get you scheduled um, just to let you know the payment for the trial is due at the time of booking. So once we figure out a date for you, I'll send over an invoice. And then once that invoice is paid, I can go ahead and book that appointment for you. And so I started taking payments for the trial right when they were booking that date. And what this eliminated was it, it eliminates brides like flip-flopping and changing so much of their dates like oh I want to do this date oh can I do this date when they pay for their service up front 
it solidifies it. It makes you look more professional. It guarantees that you're getting paid. And a lot of times they're not going to go back and want to change the trial date once that they've already paid for it. Now, I absolutely allow them to change it. If something comes up and they're like, oh, I got called into work or I'm sick, can we switch? My yeah, we can easily switch the dates, no problem. But if you've ever done a trial and haven't gotten paid for it, or I don't know, I've just heard so many stories of things that have happened. I just have my brides pay for everything up front. They pay for their wedding day services, for their trial appointments, before I even do the services. And this is one of the ways that you can guarantee that you're gonna get paid. It, it's, to me, it's a very professional way to do things. It sets you as the authority um, in your business and it sets you as the professional in the bride's eyes. And this is how you start attracting <laughs> brides that are your right fit it all just starts to work together, but it all starts with the contract. And we're going to get into it. I'm going to share my whole contract and break it down with you guys in just a minute. <clears throat> okay. So back to the a la carte pricing and how I did my trials, we would take payments. So at this point I would have their retainer payment and then they would have paid me for the trial. And then two weeks before the wedding is when their whole entire payment for the remaining amount of services is due. Now how I do it is package pricing. So I'm just giving you guys two different ways that you can do pricing and how you can structure it. So now I do package pricing. And what my package pricing includes is it includes the trial already in there. It includes the bride's wedding day hair. It includes travel up to an hour automatically. And then it includes, I have different packages based on different amounts of people. So my first package is the bride plus five other people. And then my second package I think is the bride plus up to the bride up to eight people or seven, eight people. Yeah. And then I have a bigger package for like really big wedding parties. So it's just based on the amount of people. And then my next two packages are an assistant is required. So anytime I have eight or more services being done in a wedding, um, I require an assistant. So those fees are also already factored into those last two packages too. So now how I do it is when a bride inquires, they, I send them over my bridal booking guide, which has my new package pricing and everything in it and explains what every, each package includes. And so they choose what package they want. And if it's anything over an hour, they do get charged an additional travel fee because only up to an hour is included in all of my packages. So if there's any additional travel fees, I will charge them um, $500 is the retainer fee. And then if there's additional travel, they go ahead and pay that initial travel right up front. So it could be five to $600, five, $700 as a retainer fee. And the reason it is a good idea to have a higher retainer payment, this is also going to be a huge thing that keeps people from canceling. It keeps them committed um, and you eliminate missing out on, you eliminate people canceling their wedding on you. 
So the higher the payment you can have for the wedding day services, the better. And you guys might be able to start to see how you can be getting paid consistently year round. So it's like a cycle and a system that I have created in my bridal business. So I start to get a lot of my bookings from December to February. And in that time frame, I am able to book out a good majority of my bridal business for the year. And then I get a lot of brides trickling in through the rest of the year. Um, I have last minute brides. I have, yeah. So December to February. So during that time, which is considered slow season in the, the bridal industry, I'm getting a lot of retainer payments coming in from bookings. So I'm able to still have consistent income coming in from those bookings because I'm getting those retainer payments. And then right in with that, I start to get, um, or the way I was doing it before, you also start to get um, trial payments from brides saying, oh, it's time to schedule my trial. Can I schedule my hair trial? Then I'm getting those payments coming in. And then soon enough, we start having the full wedding payments coming in. So between your retainer payments, your bridal trials, and your actual full wedding day service payments, those start to cycle in your business to where you start getting the income year round. And it takes a little bit of time in the beginning to get that cycle up and going if you're just starting out. But once you start getting known, once you start getting really um, focus in your bridal business and you start taking a lot of wedding, it's just a cycle and it just keeps going year round, year round. You still have weddings and money and income coming in year round. So that is a system that I have created in my bridal business. That's how I'm able to have a consistent income, full-time income coming in year round, even during slow season. Okay. Let me see if I have any questions really quick. I'm going to take a quick pause. Um, Oh, hi, Leanne. Thanks for joining. Um, you're so welcome. Okay, I still haven't heard from you yet. Okay, cool. All right, so now I'm going to be breaking down my contract. I just want to make sure I covered everything with you guys. If you have any questions, let me know in the comments. I'll keep an eye on them. If I don't get to them right now, I'll definitely be answering questions at the end. I'm going to go ahead and pull up my contract now, and I'm just going to go through the whole thing with you and tell you how I have it broke down take you through the whole thing. It is not super lengthy and I don't believe a contract needs to be super lengthy. I personally believe that a contract should be super simple. It should be very easy for you and the bride or the client to, to understand and to read. It doesn't need to be like a book of 10 pages. Um, it just needs to be everything in there to keep your bridal business protected, to keep yourself protected, to guarantee you're going to get paid and to protect both parties. Um, it's simple as that. It, it, as long as it has everything that you need in it, it doesn't need to be super wordy and technical and hard for people to understand. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I feel like sometimes we feel like it has to sound really wordy and like, I don't know, like a lawyer did it. Um, which I do want to actually say this real quick too. So I actually, I have some lawyer friends that I'm able to talk to. And so I sent them my bridal contract and I said, because somebody once told me like, oh, only a lawyer can type up your contract and it makes it legal. And so 
I didn't think that was quite accurate. So I actually went to a lawyer friend. She has her own practice, her own um, legal law business. And I asked her, I said, if I have a contract and the bride signs it and I sign it, does that make the contract binding? Binding? Is that a legit contract? And she said, yeah, as long as you have a signature from both parties and it has something about your business information and what the agreement is, that's all you need. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there so you guys kind of knew that because, um, yeah, I thought that could be helpful. All right, let me pull my contract up. Give me one second. Um, let me see here. Um, okay. So I think my contract is about five, maybe five pages long. And a lot of that is going to be like places for people to fill out. Um, my contract is now uploaded into HoneyBook. So HoneyBook specifically, I've uploaded my contract. It's like embedded into the system. So now once a bride inquires, I can just, it's already like the files in there. It's, I just send it. If you are using email, um, you can attach a contract to an email. I don't love using like attaching contracts and doing things that way. If you are serious about going full-time in your bridal business, if you're serious about making good money doing it, then you need a booking system. I Here's another thing that I did. I started out, when I started out, I was like, I'll just keep track of my wedding pen and paper. So I got this cute little Etsy calendar and I started penciling in all my brides and like how many people and all the information. Oh, don't you know, don't you know that quickly got out of hand. I started getting so many inquiries, so many bookings. I had a whole freaking binder full of contracts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You talk about crazy and people's credit card payments were on them. Um, I eventually like shredded all of them and burned them, but yeah, it was, it was quickly getting out of hand and I knew I needed a system that was going to keep things organized because I was so scared that I would forget to book a bride that I would lose track of, did this bride pay her retainer payment or did this, it was getting out of hand quickly. Um, so there's, I love HoneyBook. There's so many other booking platforms out there that you can use. Um, I think there's one called like Dubsado. I've heard a lot of good things about that one. And most of these you can upload your contract into and it keeps track of everything. It lets me know what brides have paid their retainer payments, who hasn't, what payments I have coming up, um, what payments are due for the, I mean, it tells me everything. I just pop it up and I can see everything I need to. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there real quick. All right. I've got my contract up. Nope. That's not it. All right. I should have had it pulled up you guys, but I had some notes on my phone and I didn't want to pull that. Okay. Let me see if it's on here. All right. Here we go. For real. I got it this time. All right. So by the way, if you need a professional bridal contract. I have one. You can purchase mine. It's on my website, meganlorsonbridalhair.com. I think there's a link on my Instagram bio. It might've just gotten taken off recently, but it's on my website. Um, you can purchase it. It's completely customizable and 
you customize it all in Canva, and then you can from there attach it to an email. You can upload it into a booking system that you're currently using. Um, so that is there for you if you need one. All right, so here's my bridal contract. So at the very top of my bridal contract, I have my business name. I have, I do have my Instagram handle. I have my website and my phone number. So the main details of who they're working with, how to contact me if they need to. And then at the beginning of the contract, it basically just says the purpose of this contract is to give you the bride and the wedding party the best possible services. And at the top, it has how much the retainer payment is. And now this can be is customizable for each bride. So not every bride is cookie cutter. So it's not it's not always the same for everybody. Um, I have a lot of systems in my bridal business as far as like email templates and set payments and things like that. But every bride is a little different. So I will always still customize each email for each bride just a little bit, just so it has like a little personal touch on it. But the gist of the email is the same for everybody. So I'm able to save all my email, uh, email templates in HoneyBook and then just click a button and it pops up the email for me. These are all emails that I've taken time, sat down and I'm like, okay, well, I've written this email to the, every single bride. It sounds almost the same. So I realized it, that's a system because it kept happening over and over. And I was like replying, typing out all these emails to these brides, like consistently. And so I was like, okay, I need to just make an email template. So for each response, I now have an email template that I just click a button, can tweak a little um, here and there to customize it for each bride. And then I send it to them. Um, so in the top of the contract, it has what their retainer payment is so they can see what they've paid or what they're going to pay. It's in the contract. And then we have their event date, their name, the bride's phone number, her mailing address, her email, um, the getting ready location is on there. Um, and then the address for the getting ready location. And then I also have time that the services need to be completed on there. Um, what time the ceremony is and then what services the bride wants specifically. So the bride is just at the top. And then right under that, I have what her service package is. So in that spot, I just fill out what package she's getting and again, how much her retainer fee is underneath that. And then right under that, I also have a spot where I have them put their credit card information. And the reason I get their credit card information is because if they decide to cancel on me uh, within the time frame, or they get extra services the day of the wedding that somehow don't get paid for, like it just safeguards me in case anything happens, I am getting paid. Um, and it's all in my contract. I'm not just like making stuff up and like, oh, well, I'm just going to charge the bride this because I feel like this. It's in my contract. And so if she violates it, of course, I will always tell her like, hey, we did this, um, you know, send the invoice. But if they're not paying for some reason, then I'll send them another email. And this does not ever happen to me. Um, I think it happened in the beginning when I was getting some brides that were just like, didn't want to pay me for anything. Um, they just were the wrong brides. But it's just a safeguard. All right. So we have that on there. And then I have securing their appointment date. So basically this section or this this clause in my contract states that well hold on one sec i don't know what this is doing here just started 
doing something funky. Okay, so securing appointment date. So this clause talks about um, once letting them know once this contract is signed and the retainer payment has been paid, all the services are binding. They cannot subtract services on the contract. So they can't last minute, like two days before the wedding, be like, oh, sorry, my bridesmaids all decided to do their own hair and you're driving like two hours just to do the bride. No, 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 that's not gonna work. So it says right in the contract that they cannot, I personally will allow my brides to swap people out. So say they had one of their bridesmaids is pregnant. She's no longer able to be in the wedding party. I will always allow them to substitute for another family member, another wedding attendant. That is totally fine. Like we, I can substitute somebody. So I do let allow them to do that. Um, but there are many cases where the brides subtract bridesmaids due to whatever reason, sickness, or they had a falling out, or they're pregnant or whatever. And sometimes they aren't able to fill it or they don't have anybody that they want to take the place of that. And they still pay me for it um, because it's in my contract and this is a business. It's not a charity. So I need to make sure that my business is still getting paid because I have expenses and I have bills and we all do. So this is how you can guarantee that you're going to be getting paid. Okay. And then I have another clause in there and this is talking about the payment and it's just letting them know that their retainer and the travel fees are required to be paid at the time of booking. And it lets them know when their total payment is due for their wedding, which states that it's due two weeks before the wedding. Some people like to get paid a month or two in advance. I personally like to get paid really close to the wedding day. Just, I don't know. It's just something I like to do. I like to get paid you know, as close as I can to actually doing the services. Um, I used to do one week before the wedding, but I had a couple situations with brides that pushed it. They were not my ideal bride again, but they pushed it to days before the wedding and I still hadn't received payment. And I do not take payment on a wedding day anymore. It's too chaotic. I focus on giving my brides a really good service, getting all their hair done. And that is my focus the day of the wedding. And then my second focus, if I have time, is to get content the day of the wedding because that's how I'm going to market. That's how I'm going to continue to get more weddings. And so those are my focuses the day of the wedding. And I don't like taking payment. It's the bride's day. I think she should have everything taken care of and so she can just focus on enjoying her day. So anyways, I used to do a week before, but then I had a couple brides push it really, really close. And I realized that brides usually have a lot going on the week of their wedding. So I moved it to two weeks. So the payment is now due two weeks before the wedding. So that gives us plenty of time to resolve things. If there's any issues with credit card payments going through or whatever the situation is, it's, we can resolve it in two weeks usually. So that's why I do two weeks now. Okay. So... That's what that section says. And the, I'm giving you the bare minimum of what these sections say, just so you have a gist of like how things are set up. Um, okay, and then I have a cancellation policy in here. So the retain once the retainer payment is paid, it is not refundable at any point. And that states, it states it a couple times, I think two, maybe three times throughout the contract in different areas, that the retainer payment is non-refundable. Um, it's 
not refundable if they get sick, if COVID happens again, um, it's just not refundable. So that's in there. Um, and then it also under the cancellation policy states that they can cancel six months or more before their wedding date. If it is six months or sooner then 50% of their wedding total wedding services will be charged. And again, if they cancel their month, their wedding six months or more from the wedding date, their retainer payment is still non-refundable. So again, I'm taking about $500 to 700, depending on if there's extra travel and you know, if I'm going really far, whatever. Um, so take in mind, I've already got the retainer payment of $500. That is non-refundable no matter what. They know that it's in the contract. And within six months, I can still probably most likely get a wedding booked. So it gives me some time there to market, to fill that spot back up and get it booked if I want to get it booked up. So that is, that is in there as well. If they were to cancel the wedding one month or less from the wedding date, 100% of their services will be charged because one month is no notice at all. Hardly. You will not, most likely will not be able to refill that. And that is income that they have completely just taken away. So I, that is just, that's my policy. And then I also have a little clause in there about parking and tolls, because I told, like I told you in the beginning of this training that I ran several times into showing up to a wedding and I had to go through some tolls and I had to pay for parking once I got there and that's fine. Um, but I just let them know in here, like if that were to be the case, that they're responsible for paying for that, um, not my business. All right. And then I also have relocation of a wedding party because this is also something that happened to me. So I had a bride one time that was like, oh, we're going to be getting ready here at this Airbnb. And then the venue opens up at, I don't know, it opened up late. It was like 11 in the morning. And she's like, and then we want to all move over to the venue and finish getting ready there. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. wait a second. Um, no. <laughs> if you have ever had to do that, or if you don't know, I'm going to tell you what that goes, how that goes. So usually it is easily an hour that it puts on to the, the getting ready process. Because number one, I have to pack up all of my hot tools that are all like, very hot and I got to pack them up and put them away, put all my products away. Then I got to drive over to the place. Even listen, even if it's only five minutes away, cause this, this, the venue and the Airbnb, I, they were like 10 minutes apart from each other. So you're like, Oh, no problem. You just whip over there. No. Then all the bridesmaids, you know how long they got to gather all their stuff up because y'all know it's all over the place. And then we got to transfer everybody over there, which, you know, that's going to be a a whole thing because who's going to ride with who and blah, blah, blah. I've got to figure all that out. So then I have to go back over there, get all my stuff back out, set all my hot tools up, set all my products back up, get everything kind of situated, figure out, you know, wh what chair are they sitting in? And then of course the bridesmaids have to unpack everything before you know it, it is easily an hour that it takes to transition everybody and keep, get everything back on track. So I was like, okay, if brides want to do this, there's going to be a fee because it's going to take more of my time and it's going to take me longer. Plus I have to pack up all my stuff twice and put it away. 
Um, so that is now in my contract and I charge a minimum fee of $250 to move to a different location. Um, if it's further, then the fee will be higher. And I try to charge a little bit of a higher fee to avoid people from wanting to do this because it's just not fun and it's not ideal for anybody um, to be shuffling around like that. It is always ideal that the bride gets ready where she is going to stay. So the venue is usually the most ideal um, or just as long as they're all in one place getting ready the whole time, that is the most ideal situation. All right, I also have a rescheduling slash relocation of a wedding. So I once had a bride that had booked her wedding at a venue. And then it was several months later, she says, I just, I don't want a huge wedding. I'm just going to do like a smaller wedding. So we've changed the venue. So what this did for me was it took a lot of my time to communicate with her even more. I, it took a lot of work to, we had to change the contract, change the date. Um, it was a lot of work on my end. So I, number one, I charge another like application fee for, or like a change fee for changing everything over because it takes quite a bit of time to get everything squared away, situated, get the contract restated. Um, you got to update like the invoice, like everything needs a little updating. So that is now in my contract as well. And then of course I have a COVID policy um, just to protect, it's like, oh, I hate saying that word still, um, just to protect people, to protect myself, my business. Um, basically it just states that they get one free reschedule if something were to happen again, like it did in counties and states shut down things, whatever they, can get one free reschedule, but again, the retainer payment's not non-refundable, um, things like that. So anyways, I have a whole section on that. And then um, in the contract, it states how they should come the day of the wedding. And then it just lets them know there are some additional fees if people come with their hair wet, because I let them know numerous times to come with dry hair. And I even send all of my brides a like, a guideline sheet. It's something really cute that I made in Canva and it's just, it's a wedding day hair prep guide is what it is. And I just send it through them through HoneyBook. Um, like right after their trial, I'll send it to them and we'll talk about this at their trial too. And then I send them the guide and I say, Hey, you can just send this to your bridesmaids. That way they all know how to come with their hair done or how to come with their hair the day of the wedding. Um, dry hair, clean hair, not a lot of texture products and other things. So if they come with wet hair, um, they do get charged a fee for that. Um, there's also some things in there about if they are running late the day of the wedding, um, about no-shows, um, just things. And some of these things have never happened to me, but they are things that should be in a contract because they could happen. I've heard them happening to other people. And so if I even hear something something happening to another one of my like bridal makeup artist friends or hair, you know, I am putting it in my contract because I'm going to make sure that it doesn't happen to me. Um, and then right after that, it has a, a place where you can list all of the bridesmaids, the mothers, grandmas, additional people. Then they have a little place if they want to put additional notes in there to me. And then at the very bottom, it has my package pricing or like my pricing. So it's on the contract. So if I have a question, they have a question, we can both refer back to it. We can see what this bride's prices were on her contract. And it's just easy 
to see where, you know, all of that. Okay, so that is all that is on my contract. Um, it's simple, it's not too long, but it's very clear. And the thing with having all of these policies in your contract, it makes it so easy. If you have a bride message you, which I do often, I just did a trial uh, two weeks ago and she, what did she say? She said, um, I think I might have two less bridesmaids now on my contract, something along those lines. And I just let her know at the trial, I said, well, as stated in the contract, um, we're not able to, sub you're not able to subtract any services, but I said, if you'd like to, you always have the option to substitute someone in their place if you'd like to do that. And so she was like, okay, that's fine. You know, she's okay with it. It's in the contract. Um, it's easy when you have things in your contract and something comes up, you can just say, all you have to say is, well, as stated in the contract, this, 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 this. Um, and you just say it very sweet and professional and matter of fact, and it is what it is. If they have questions about it, you know, there's not a lot to question. It's in the contract. They signed it, which means they read it, or even if they didn't read it, they still signed it. Um, so it makes it so easy. But what happens is if you don't have these right things in your contract, you're stuck. You're just like, uh, you're kind of stuck in the middle and you just, you don't, you're lost for words. You don't know what to say because you don't have anything to fall back on and you're about to lose money and you can't do anything about it. Um, as much as you would like to say, well, you can't do that. They can easily come back and say, well, why can't I do that? You don't have, it doesn't say anything in your contract or it doesn't, and they're right. Like you can't do much about it. So you have to be very clear with your communication have everything laid out in the contract so that way you can easily fall back on it. Um, all right, so let me see if we have any questions. If you guys have questions, you can ask them. I'm gonna answer some questions. And then I do wanna let you know, I did tell you that I do have a bridal contract. So for those of you that need to either update your contract, you're just starting out and you need to get a contract started, it's the number one thing that is that you need in your bridal business. Before you can start booking brides, you need a contract and you need a good contract that has everything in it that covers you, covers your business and guarantees that you're going to be getting paid. Um, so you can find that on my website. Also, I want to invite you to join the Bridal Society. If you are a bridal hairstylist who's been in the industry for any amount of time, or if you are someone just starting out, or you are thinking about starting a bridal business, the Bridal Society is an all-in-one bridal subscription that teaches you the business side of bridal as well as bridal hair styling. So in my subscription group, it's only $27 a month, guys. It's crazy how much value you get in there. I'm not even kidding. There is so much value. So any bridal business question that you probably have is answered in there. I talk about contracts. I talk about HoneyBook. I have HoneyBook tutorials in there. Um, there are a whole list of other booking options if you don't want to use HoneyBook. They, it, I teach you how to market your bridal business on social media. I teach you how to get your business up and running. I talk about bank accounts, insurance, all of that type of thing. Just starting out, how to register your business. We talk about all the tech side of things. We talk about websites and wedding wire and where you should market, how you should market your bridal business. And then there are tons of popular in-demand bridal hairstyle tutorials. 
ones that I do a lot of, I have tutorials and classes in there where you can go through the whole hairstyles step-by-step. Step. I share with you products, product knowledge classes, how I use the products, what products I use through the whole style. You get everything for $27 a month. Um, there's also a yearly option too. If you want to save a little bit of money, you can get the subscription for the whole year. The link is in my Instagram bio, and I will put the link down below in the YouTube and Facebook live. If you guys want to check that out after this, I'll make sure it's there. Um, but so much value in there. And there are new classes every single month. You get access to our private Facebook community. You also get access to live classes as well. So it's, I wanted to make it so hard for people to say no. Like, it's like crazy how much value you get in it and how little it is. I just wanted to make it possible for anybody to join, for anybody to start their bridal business and learn how to run and market and essentially have a successful bridal business. It's something I'm very passionate about. It has truly changed my life since I have, uh, started my bridal business. It has allowed me to stay at home with my little girl. And I'm telling you that is priceless. I get to be a part of so much. We do so many fun things together. Um, I have a business that I'm passionate about that I love. And so I'm really passionate about giving back to other people, giving a lot of value and just helping other people do the same thing. So, all right, let me see if we have any questions. Thank you all so much for joining the training today. I hope you guys found a lot of value in it. I hope you found it helpful. Okay, Megan Page said, hey, Megan, other than the package pricing, what else do you include in the bridal booking guide? So in my bridal booking guide, it has a little bit about me in the beginning, like a picture and um, like why choose me as your bridal hair service? Just a quick little thing. It has pricing. It has my travel fees. It has, um, what else? Hair extension prices. Cause I also offer hair extensions and sell hair extensions to a lot of my brides. <coughs> um, it has my social media handles at the very end of it. I don't know why I'm blinking. I'm like, it's like, I want to say about eight pages. I also have that on my website as well. I think it's $27 and you can completely customize that in Canva as well for your specific bridal business. Um, but it's like eight pages and it's just a very pretty professional looking guide that wows your brides. And instead of you having to type out your pricing every time, it's basically you type out your email, attach this to your email send them the bridal booking guide. They get to look through it. It's very pretty. It has a picture of you, a little bit about you, um, what they can expect to work with you and just how it's just very professional. Um, so I have that on my website. If you are interested in purchasing one, it's one of my best sellers. I, I don't even know how many people have purchased it at this point. It is just definitely one of the, my best sellers. Um, and I still use it currently in my bridal business. Okay. What would you do if there were other stylists there taking over some of the people covered in your contract? Um, oh, my website is Megan Lorson bridalhair.com. I'm putting it in the chat right now. So you should be able to click over on it. Um, Dorothy, I don't know if I understand your question 
completely. What would you do if there were other stylists there taking over some of the people covered in your contract? Okay, I think I understand. Are you asking if there are other stylists hired there that are not part of your team that are taking over services? Oh man, I don't know that I've actually run into that. That is weird. Um, again, this is why it would be important to take payment. This would be one of the reasons I like to take payment before the wedding day because I am making sure that I am paid for X amount of services. And then if there's an extra stylist there and she wants to do some extra hair, I'm already paid for it. So she can go ahead. <laughs> um, so if I understand your question correctly, um, that probably could be something that is eliminated with how you have your contract as well as how you take payments. So let me know if you have any follow-up questions with that. Paige, with the package, booking, and the hair trial included, how do you get payment for the trial before you go to the appointment? Okay, so that's a great question. So now how I do it is they are essentially paying for the trial and um, retainer all in one payment. So that's why my payment is now at least the minimum of 500 so it covers some of the wedding day services, but it's also, they're already paying for the trial. So now I'm just getting the trial payment way earlier. So then when they message me to book their trial, like two to three months out, we just schedule it and it's already paid for. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. Dorothy, how, how do you match up extensions if no trial. Okay. So I actually have a lot of out of, most of my brides come from out of town and they're not local. So this happens often where I, we're not able to book a trial for whatever reason and they want extensions. So what I do is a FaceTime with them, either FaceTime or a zoom. And it only takes about 10 minutes. And, um, I can kind of just talk to them about their hair goals, what they want to do. But then I also have them send me pictures in good natural lighting through the, my HoneyBook system and it goes on their profile and um, I have them send of like the sides and the back and if it's in a good good lighting then I can easily match it um, I've been working with hair extensions for a long time I do have like a swatch ring so I'm easily able to match it up sometimes that can take a little bit of practice just with working with extensions for a while. Um, but I'm usually able to match people up pretty easily just with getting those pictures. All right. Awesome questions. Let me see what else. Um, let's see. When do you do bridal trials? Do you go to their house if you don't have a salon? How was that experience? So I have gone to people's houses. I no longer do that. I do them all at this a studio um, that is very close to me. But if you don't have a studio, then you can definitely do them at your house or their house. For me, I would prefer, and I've only done it a couple times, I have done literally all all of mine in studio. And now I actually require them to come to the studio. I don't travel for trials. 
Um, I just, I don't like to, it's not really worth my time to travel an hour, an hour and a half or whatever for a trial at this point. Um, I don't like to charge my brides like a huge, it would have to be like a really, how do I say this? It would, I would have to charge a pretty significant travel fee. If I'm going to go to their house and drive really far for like an hour, hour and a half just for their trial and then drive all the way back. So I require all my brides to come to studio. I have a lot of friends that prefer to go to the bride's house or the bride's location to do her trial. And I kind of like that. I personally don't like the idea of people coming to my home in my house. I like to kind of keep those things separate, like business and, but it's personal preference. If you have a studio space in your house that you can set up, that's awesome. Um, I know from a lot of my bridal hair and uh, makeup artist friends that don't have a studio, they like to go to the bride's location and do their trial at their houses or whatever. So hopefully that helps. Um, let's see. All right. I think I answered all your questions. Hopefully again, thank you guys so much for joining the training today. You guys can find all of my educational offerings over on my website, as well as the links in my bio on um, Instagram at Megan.Lorson. And I just want to make sure there's no more questions before I end the live. Thank you guys so much for joining. Awesome. I think I got all the questions. All right. Well, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and happy wedding weekend to those of you who have weddings. I have one tomorrow and I have one next week and then I'm off for, let's see, I took off a lot of time this year to travel. So I have like two months, almost, almost all of July. I have one wedding in July. Then I have the rest of July and August and I'm going on some trips with my family. Um, last year I was literally every weekend taking a wedding. So I've really scaled back a lot this year. Um, but I've also increased my prices. So I'm not taking a pay cut. I'm just scaling back on how many weddings I'm taking. And it's been so nice. Um, I do teach all of this in the bridal society too. It's just another way that you can keep yourself from getting burnt out, um, especially for those of you that have families that want to not be gone every single weekend. Um, so I've really enjoyed this, but all right. Anyways, I could talk all day about bridal and business because I love it so much, but I will let you guys go and I hope you have a great rest of your day and I will talk to y'all in the next live.